Good evening. Thank you guys for being here. I think everybody else is finally cutting their grass since the rain stopped. So if I wasn't preaching tonight, that might be what I was doing. So, um, I didn't think about it, but luckily I printed the verse out, so, uh, so I'll read it. Since we're all reading as a, as a church, we've all read this, and I know most of you from Missouri probably have the Old Testament committed to memory, but just in case... We'll go ahead and start, as, as Luke said, we'll be reading tonight from Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord, and, how, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So in the book of Micah, in the beginning, we hear all about the sins of and the judgments against Israel. And then in the end, we hear of God's coming wrath and his eventual mercies for his nation. But here, right here, six through eight, what we have tonight, that's the good stuff. It's the good, it's like the filling in an Oreo. It's like a Twinkie. It's like that sweet, sweet goodness right in the middle of a Twinkie. Why? Why? Because it tells us what the Lord requires of us to please Him. Now, that's some pretty good information to have. I, I think so. So let's go back. Let's jump in at verse 6. Micah starts and he says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Now what Micah's talking about here is a calf a year old, a bull, was the traditional sacrifice in Jewish law. He's talking about observing the law or what some of us, based on what we've learned about Israel in the previous passages, we're called going through the motions. So when you show up to church on Sunday morning or you even show up on Wednesday nights, but kind of don't really think about it the rest of the week or read your Bible or, or let it change your life at all. So we've seen that just observing the law obviously isn't possible for Israel. Or maybe it is possible, but it's not probable. Because we've seen that they've been idolatrous, that they've oppressed their brothers and sisters in the past. We've seen that they have a lot to atone for. And so they step it up. They go a little bigger in verse 7. And they come back and they say, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Wow, that's a sacrifice. Thousands of rams, rivers of oil. Not a pond, not a river, not a a lake, but rivers rivers. Thousands of rivers of oil. It's really just exaggeration. Nobody could bring that kind of sacrifice to the Lord except for a really, really rich man or maybe the, the assembled peoples of Israel could bring a sacrifice together like that. But then they go even farther and they say, shall I bring my firstborn? That's something all of us can, can relate to. We may not really think about thousands of rams or rivers of oil, But if you have a child or you've seen people with children or you are a child, you understand how precious a a firstborn 
is. It's so over the top that we still use that today, right? If you go and you get a loan or a mortgage, you're like, man, I had to sign over my firstborn, right? How many people do you hear say, hey, I got that apartment. I had to sign over thousands of rams. They wanted like rivers of oil, right? (laughs) Nobody says that. But we still, to this day, we still say, I had to sign over my firstborn, even though that's not really an acceptable sacrifice to God. He doesn't ask us for our children. But even if he did, even if it was acceptable, you're still the guy who gave up your firstborn to cover up for your sin. Like, don't, don't be that guy. Nobody likes that guy. Don't do it. So these things aren't the answer. Even your firstborn, it's not the answer. But it is in here. It's in verse 8. Micah goes on. He says, he has told you, God has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And he did tell us. We can look back in Proverbs, Proverbs 21.3. The Lord tells us to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Or we can go even farther back, right back to the beginning in Genesis 18.19. For I have chosen that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. So now we know this is what pleases God. We're to do justice, we're to love kindness, and we're to walk humbly with our God in order to please him. So he's not looking for rote adherence to the law. He's not looking for sacrifice. What he wants is a change in our heart. He tells us that we're to do justice. What does that mean? The Hebrew word for justice, which Hannah can pronounce, but I'm going to try, is mishpat. Mishpat has various forms. It's used throughout the Old Testament, but its basic meaning is to treat people fairly or to treat them equitably. can also be used to mean sentence, as in something that's done wrong. But what that means, as in sentence, is... If two people have committed the same crime, then they should get the same sentence. It doesn't matter what race they are or from what people they are or how much money they have or they don't have. They should all be treated equally. But it also means more on the side of justice, not just punishment for wrongdoing, but that we should treat people equally as in giving them their rights. So we treat people equally or equitably whether it be punishment or protection or care, and not just in our dealings, but we need to be responsible for what happens around us when we see things happening that aren't right and people aren't being treated equally, then we should step up and do justice. We're also told that we should love kindness. The Old Testament word, the Hebrew for kindness, that again, Hannah can pronounce, but I can't, is chesed. See, got it. The connotation of this word is a loyal love which manifests itself more in action than just feeling. And, and so as I went through this, what it means to me, I think what is a good example for you is more like a motherly type of love. If you look at a mother with her children, she doesn't just go, yeah, they're cute, they're, they're nice, like I'm glad we have them and send them outside. Usually they don't do that. 
but they actually go and look for things to do to enrich their children's lives. I mean, when children are really small, they actually use their body to create food to keep this child happy and alive and healthy, right? And then as they go on, they clean up and they buy toys and they play and they teach them to walk and they teach them to talk and all the great things that mothers do. That's the kind of kindness. That's the loving kindness that it means here. And that's how we should be with the people around us. We should look for ways and reasons to do things for other people around us. And thirdly, it tells us that we should walk humbly with our God. Now, that's not a definition, so I couldn't ask Hannah. So I had to come up with it myself. So walking humbly with God, I think the way to explain that, the way to understand it is that walking with God implies a few things. It implies communion or togetherness with God. It implies movement, and if you have movement, of course, you always have to have direction. So to walk with anyone, to walk with God, that means we both need to be present, right? And since God is always present, it's up to us to continually remind ourselves where we need to be to walk with God. Now, to walk humbly, to walk humbly with God, it means we have to recognize who God is and who we are. We have to recognize, we have to focus on God. We have to realize that His wisdom, that His intentions, that His motivations and His judgment are so far above ours that we need to keep focused on what He wants and not what we want. And then once we focus on him and we make sure that we're there and we're present and we're with God, we need to move forward because God's always moving forward. He's always advancing his plan for his people and his creation. And if we're to move with him, we have to look up to him to see the pace and the direction that we should move because sometimes God moves painfully, slowly, We're like, God, where are you? We need to do something about this. And then sometimes he moves so fast that we don't know what's happening. So we have to keep our eyes on him to look for the pace and the direction in order to walk humbly with God. So what this tells us is that a godly heart should be focused in four directions. Number one, outward to do justice, to look around us at what's happening and to look at how we treat people and to treat them equitably. Second, inward. We're to love kindness, not just to look for things that we can do to bless other people, but to love that kindness, to love being that person that helps other people. We're to look upward. A godly heart is focused upward as we walk humbly with God and forward. You notice that when we look at these three things, to do justice, not did justice, to love kindness, not loved kindness, and to walk, never walked with our God, we're always moving forward. We don't need to look behind us. We don't need to look at the past, only the present and the future as we walk forward humbly with our God. So, That all sounds like good news, right? It's pretty good. It's okay. You can nod your head. It's like, I can see you. We're all here. 
So, but the title beforehand was good news, bad news. So there must be some bad news or it's just a really inappropriate title. <laughs> the problem, problem, the bad news lies in that we can't do these things on our own. It's just not possible. See, we know what God requires. We just read what God requires. And most of us, most of the time, we want to do these things, but we don't. Or we can't. See, we can't love kindness because of a selfish heart. See, if you use your your time and your money to bless other people, and that's the kind of person that you are. What's that leave for you? You just, you used your time, you used your money, and I like to use my time and money for me. See, we can't, we can't do justice many times because of pride or maybe because of prejudice. Can't do justice because I don't really, I don't deal with those people. I don't go to those places. Um... Because to be equitable, to treat people equally, really equally, we have to see them as just important as us, don't we? And our self gets in the way. I like myself. Hopefully you like yourself too. We can't look up. We can't focus. We can't walk humbly with God because we're too focused on ourselves. And we can't move forward because we're stuck in the past. When I try to walk forward, and I'm, st- I'm still holding on to my job. Or, or I walk forward and oh, I'm holding my house or that relationship or maybe even that church. Maybe that ministry. Whatever it is that you maybe need to let go of to move forward and to walk humbly with God. We need to do that, but we don't. Some of us don't. So are we really any better off than the Israelites in Micah? Are we less idolatrous than the Israelites? Bruce Bradbigney in Gospel Treason tells us that an idol is anything or anyone that captures our heart, our mind, and our affection more than God. Are we better off than the Israelites? Are we less idolatrous? Friends, if you're like me, the answer to that is no. No, on both counts. I know what's required, but I can't do it, or I won't do it. My idol isn't a a golden calf or some pagan religion. It's just me just me. It's my plan. It's my will. It's my life, myself. That's bad news. But fortunately, it's not the end. We can end with more good news, great news, really, because we're not alone. I'm not alone. You're not alone. Look around you at all the people in this room. Think about all the people at your your home church, maybe your family that's at home. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're here to help one another. And even more than that, 
we're not alone because the, what makes us brothers and sisters in Christ is Christ. We've accepted Christ into our lives as our Lord and our Savior, and He will never leave us. He tells us in Matthew that He'll never leave us. He says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And not just that, He left us, he left us with the Holy Spirit, the helper that He speaks of in John 16. The helper to guide us, to empower us, to transform us, to do the things that God would have us do. Friends, we can't do it alone. None of us. We all fall short. But the great news, the good news, is that we're not alone. Our God, your God, lives with us. He walks among us and He lives in us. He empowers us to do great things. So leave here tonight. Leave full of this good news, full to the brim. Leave here and do justice. Treat people equally. See everyone you come in contact with as an image bearer of God, just like us. Love kindness. Don't just go and do things to bless people, but love it. Put it in your heart that that's the kind of person that you are. You love kindness. And look up. Look up, focus on God, and move forward with our sins, with our past, with ourself, covered in the blood of Jesus, looking forward and walking humbly with our God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight to hear your word. Lord, it's such a blessing. It's it's overwhelming that not only do you want to communicate with us, that you would send your word, but that we find such motivation and empowerment and beauty within it. Lord, we just thank you for your power. We pray that you would work within us, Lord, that you would help us to do justice. Help us to be people who love kindness. and Help us to be people that walk humbly with our God. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.